0: And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Trans Regrets. Snoopy Presents the Bible. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Michael Martin Del Campo. Um, we are going to be talking about Philippians
2: 3. Welcome, Mikey. Hey, thanks for having me, Transforget forget Snoopy.
1: It's, uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on. We've been uh, planning this episode for a little while, and and I'm really excited to uh, talk to you about a few things in this letter. Um, why don't you tell people a little bit about what you're involved with and how faith plays a part in your life?
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, my name's Mikey, Michael, Mikey. Uh, I, um, I'm just a guy. I, 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 you know, I work in some like fashion styling stuff here and there. And, uh, that's kind of my thing. And I know you through social media. And, um, it's, it's one of those things where I used to say, like, I used to tell people, like, I don't really have a testimony and, and people be like what what do you mean like but i what i mean is like i always felt like my background and was like not as there there's no theatrics to it you know i felt like I just grew up in a Christian household and that wasn't like good enough quote unquote, like that wasn't like flashy enough. Cause you know, most people have these stories about how they, you know, I murdered 400 people. And then, uh, one day, like I saw the light. So like, I, and I would just be like, man, I wish I'd had that. Like, you know, like that suck. I just like went to church my whole life. Like I didn't do drugs. So like, I, I grew up pretty much just like, you know, um, in a Christian household, like kind of non-denominational, we would go to churches that had Baptists in the name and stuff. Um, my parents were like super picky about churches and um, because, you know, the pastors that, you know, they're big in expository preaching and you have to preach the word and, you know, always trying to steer away from anything that's shallow and, and, or, or maybe not deep enough, anything that sounds like it's just a message for children. So I grew up around that and kind of, like anybody, kind of hated going to church. Honestly, like because it was just boring when I was a kid, and considered myself a Christian. You know, most of my life through from my from when I was a kid throughout through my teenage years, uh, never drank or did anything. Like I, partly because I was Christian, partly because I was kind of into punk and hardcore, and considered myself straight edge and all that. But um, so I consider myself more or less a good kid. But like I. I went to a Christian college, a private Christian college, and, uh, I really, really didn't want to go. <laughs> um, but you know, my sisters went and whatever, and I didn't really have any other options. And, uh, I'm, I look back on it now and I'm really thankful that I went because it kind of set like this foundation. So with the Christian college, it's just like the regular college, but then there's like, there was chapel on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, You were required to go to church, which I thought was kind of weird because, you know, it's not really setting you up for real life when you should be going out of your own free will. You should be, you should want to go to church. Um, and then, um, you know, you would be a Bible minor, you would major in something I majored in communications, which, which is, uh, like a liberal arts degree that had a stroke. And, uh, it means nothing. And, but you'd minor in Bible. So I took some Bible courses and and through those, there are things, there are things that I was kind of learning here and there, or like there's times in that. I feel that was a formative time in my early twenties where I was actually starting to be like more aware of what I was actually, what I actually believe, you know? And, um, I think you hear the term, uh, uh, Jesus died for your sins so many times, Throughout a Christian life, like in, in growing up and stuff, um, that it kind of loses its meaning. You don't even know what it really means. And there was a certain point I feel like where I started really like understanding the how vast and the, you know the depth of what that really means. And it started, I don't know. I guess kind of making more sense to me. Just, just, just in terms of even the just the New Testament stuff in general. I was like, wow, this is great. You know, this is powerful.
1: Yeah,
2: but. Um, there was one experience that really was like a turning point in my life uh which was i i think i was uh yeah i was it was my last year of college i think i remember specifically it was the day we killed osama bin Laden, right (laughs) (laughs) and um my dad was in town uh because my parents still live in the small town I grew up in and my dad came to this area for to go to church to night service at my church. And at night service we had baptisms. And uh people usually give their little testimony. And um I was sitting next to my dad and because he was just like, hey, you gonna meet up with me at church? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know. And they're doing the the testimonies and this kid went up, this kid maybe he was like a teenager. I don't know. But he, you know, he gives his testimony before his baptism and he w- was talking about his life, similar to mine, just growing up doing this, being Christian, whatever. But he talked about how he caught himself going through the motions mm. and how he was just like not really doing anything. Like, like he was just kind of like, it was like a falseness to it all. And. And that, like, hit me like a ton of bricks. And, like, I was literally, like, crying. Like, I I had to, like, protect myself from my dad. Like, I I was worried that my dad was, like, noticing. But, like, literally, like, couldn't stop because I related to it so heavily. Like, I I felt like I was in the same boat. I felt like I was just, like, what am I doing? like, you know, cause it, it just felt like it was something that was just like a, a personality trait. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm not really doing anything about it. You know what I mean? I'm not really like, I, yeah, I've really felt like I was going through the motions, but I wasn't, I didn't realize it until that kid was saying it in his testimony. So literally had to sit through like the entire service and they my, you know, they finished baptisms. Then my pastor goes up and, and speaks and stuff. And I still was like tear, tears coming out of my eyes and I just kept like rubbing it away. Mm. And I just didn't know what was wrong with me. It was like one of the first case, first instances of me actually truly feeling convicted. And, uh, I left, I like left after that and called my mom. I was calling everybody. I was just trying to call my sisters. I was trying to call, and like it was like the one time I couldn't get a hold of anyone. I called my mom and explained everything, and she uh, she was just like, "Oh, she was just like that's a good thing, you know." <laughs> she was just like, "That's just she's like that just sounds like the Holy Spirit to me." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess that's yeah." I mean, that made me feel better, <laughs> but I was still kind of like confused. And my dad, kind of like my dad's like one of the godliest people I. No, and i really look up to him but in a way he didn't really know how to handle it he kind of like he sent like a counselor from my from my college to like meet up with me and the guy he was like kind of like oh, yeah you know he was he came to my dorm and was just like yeah if you have any questions you know and we went over it and stuff like that and we were, we were kind of talking about like I, I think one of my worries was that i could know a lot about the bible but it, it's if it's all just head knowledge then what's it mean what does it matter you know, what I mean, and I think like maybe like at that time maybe I was just maybe I was just kind of like insecure about my own faith and like it, m- my own pastor said before he was like if if you've ever if having doubts means you lose your salvation then I would have lost mine a long time ago yeah. you know and I, I I think doubts are like a big part of it like it, it, it you need those they're integral to your faith journey. So like basically that was like a turning point for me. And after that I felt better about a lot of things. And um I, you know, I I eventually graduated college. I like moved to LA and like was kind of like doing my thing, just working like reach random like retail, whatever. But like I think I felt as soon as I left college, like I was kind of, I was going to church on my own and like enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I was actually like looking forward to it and stuff like that. And I'm still kind of, I'm still like that to my, to this day. I mean, um, yeah, like I, I'm still the guy who I have like a group of friends who aren't really religious in any way, like, and they all kind of know me as the guy, oh well, Mike's going to ch- Mike goes to church on Sundays. What you know, it's just like <laughs> kind of my thing. And I like being that guy, but you know, like I think it's uh part of my whole thing too, is like I'm into stuff, I'm into movies, I'm into music, I'm into all that, I'm into this secular world, whatever. And I think that's a good thing too. And, you know, I'm covered in tattoos, whatever. And I think like, that's a good thing in a lot of ways, because I want to be like one of those people who's not, um, a stereotypical Christian. I want to be, you know, uh, I, I don't know, like people have this idea in their head of what Christians or Catholics or religious people are like, that they're all like uptight homeschooled type people. And I, it's really important to me that. You know someone be down to earth because that in itself is like a good testimony so um yeah that's my whole thing really i i still it still means the world to me i i i feel like to this day like that that's the thing too ever since that one experience where i was like you know shaken like i feel like i'm still learning from that and still not perfect, you know, still not a perfect quote, quote unquote, perfect Christian. I I still feel like there are times where I'm like, yeah, I'm not real. I'm kind of phoning this in, Mm. but, um, I think being aware of that is the first step, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's one of those things too. Like I constantly think about is I forget who said it. It was, it was either John Piper Spurgeon, someone, someone said something like, uh, You know, there's no such thing like I've never met a weak Christian who does have scripture memorized. And I'm like, yeah, that's well, I don't really have very much scripture memorized. You know what I mean? But my you know, but my mom has so much. And You know, it's not like a contest and it's not really like something that's necessary, but it is helpful. But also, you know, a lot of people would say like a, a Bible should be like in shambles <laughs> because you're just you're just and like my I have one that's like 20 years old. And I, I look at it and I'm like, this is this thing looks brand new. Like sometimes I'm just like so convicted by that. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I not ever just like sitting and reading the Bible? And it just, you know, every now and then something will happen, like all more often than not turn to like a theological kind of book or something like that, rather something about the Bible, whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're the same way. Like, I feel like I constantly catch myself just being like, what, what I need to, I need to work on this. <laughs> I think everybody is like, that, yeah,
1: I, I, I think anybody who's, who's making a, a, a real effort to, um, get closer to Jesus and to, um, to perfect their faith in the best way that they can should be constantly, um, checking in with ourselves and saying, yeah. you know, am I reading this? I'll, I'll do that sometimes where I do read the Bible every day. And, and part of that is through like guided plans through like the Bible app. And other times it's like, you know, I'll be reading somebody else's book. Like I've uh, been reading through a few different books lately and they'll reference some scripture and I'll flip to that and, and read that. But there are times yeah. when I catch myself reading it and I get to the end of, you know, a section or a passage or a chapter and I go, oh, what the hell did I just read? and I have to go back to the beginning and start over again because I I wasn't really clicking and I wasn't really focusing. It was just like
2: there in front of my face. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like too. yeah, I, I, I mean, everybody kind of goes through that and I, I, I think it's nice to just still feel the power of the power and comfort in those verses and stuff like that. And, and and you know it's crazy. You know, you open up the Bible; to just a random page, and nine times out of ten, it it applies to you in that very moment. And I yeah. think that's part of how the Holy Spirit works too. You know what I mean? Um, and prayer, prayer, of course, is all is important in my life. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, fast forward to now, I'm still, still same old, same old me. Still, still, still Christianity. And for those who aren't aware. I guess that's just the belief that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. The, the only way the savior, um, and he died for our sins and was re- resurrected, um, God's son, etc. That is still the only thing that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, I'm thankful for it being in my life because I, I really truly think it just keeps me sane because all there's so much like, about the world that's purely, that can drive you on this like existential or nihilistic, like, you know, bent, like just spiral. Uh, And even when I do have some sort of problems, I just chalk it up to not really mattering. And, And, you know, it's like sometimes, you know, people could call religion a crutch and I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess maybe it is, I don't know. But like, it's working for me and uh thankfully i feel like this atheist trend is kind of over people used to wear their atheism on their sleeves so so heavily i feel like it was almost it was just so in fashion but now i I don't really ever encounter any kind of pushback for it i don't ever encounter anyone who's just like you go to you what especially with (laughs) like you know all these misinterpretations about it being like so hateful and full of hate and all this stuff um I, more often than not it just leads to good conversations. You know what I mean? Like and I love just having conversations like that. But of course that that's what leads to the people making the real having looking at you with having an incredulous look on their face, you know, kind of like when they're just like, "You don't believe like we all came from apes?" You know, like they'll be like, "You're they're like, "Oh, you're a Christian, that's cool." And then the second you say something about like, "I think, you know, I don't believe in the big bang theory." They're like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "Well, what do you think being a what do you think if I say I'm a group, what do you think that means? You know what I mean? Like, of course I don't believe like of all, you know, like of all the things to believe, like that makes the least sense to me. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I'm still, still into religion very much. I guess that's obvious. Oh, or I guess I should say I'm still into faith. Yeah. Um, cause Jesus is not a religion. FYI, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like the
1: core tenets of, of Christianity are like what you outline is essentially um, believing what the Bible says about Jesus, who he was, what he did, uh, where he came from, and where he went. So that is that's the core of it. There's obviously other dogmatic things. There's other legal things. There's other rules and 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 um, origin stories and genealogies and all this other stuff in the Bible. But the thing that none of the different denominations disagree on is that Jesus was the son of God, came down from heaven, lived amongst the people, uh, died for our sins, was raised from the dead, uh, walked the earth as, as essentially a, a, a this holy presence and began his ministry, uh, for, so that others could, you know, spread the word of, of what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's like, uh, It's a beautiful uh, story. I especially liked hearing about um, that kind of revelation that you had because while, you know, you were saying that you didn't really have like a a born-again story or anything like that, like the Holy Spirit, if you truly believe, if you truly feel um, what you believe— the Holy Spirit touches you in some way or another. I know very, very few people who have gone their entire lives being a Christian, being a believer, practicing faith in one way or another, and can honestly say, I've never felt God. I've never talked to God, I've never felt it. I don't don't even know what it would feel like. That sounds, I mean, if there are people out there, I'm very sorry for you, but like that sounds awful.
2: (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, I, I feel like too, with, with the story, like I had with the revelation or the, the Holy spirit encounter, like, you know, you, you would think sometimes when you hear a story like that, the transition is, is, um, Oh, and then the next day I I became a missionary in Africa or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, But that, that's just, you know, I know myself that that's just not me. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't called first of all, but like, I never felt called, but but it, it's not necessarily being missionary, but also, you know, like maybe the story turns into, Oh, and then I went to seminary or, Oh, I did this or that. And my whole life changed. And, and with mine, I feel like my life more or less stayed the same. It's just that, that I, now I carry that moment with me. And it's kind of just this reminder of who I am and where I come from and where, what I'm trying to steer clear of. Um, and and I guess, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's a reminder of, uh, I guess sin or, or self-reliance even, um, yeah. which I, I, I mean, self-reliance is what I considered. I think I've, i I mentioned to you before, you know, that I, I believe all sins are equal, but, um, in the eyes of the Lord, they're all equal. Uh, but, uh, prayerlessness and, and self-reliance are, are the most dangerous ones. Um, when you, when you start relying too much on yourself and thinking you could just handle whatever comes your way and it's going to, you know, whatever I, I don't, I think, I think that's a that could be potentially a dangerous path to be, you know, and that can eventually lead to you just fully walking away from it all. That's, um, that's actually like
1: a perfect way to segue into Philippians three, Ooh. because this notion on self-reliance or, um, establishing yourself, um, in the world and living as you know living for the world living in the world rather than living in Jesus and being you know uh, giving everything to your um, relationship to Jesus is the the core sort of tenet of uh, chapter three and I want to give a little bit of background on Philippians first because there's there's some sort of disputed um ideas about, how this letter came to be, um, there are a few people that have noted that, uh, well, first of all, uh, this is, this is a, a letter from Paul uh, that he wrote while he was in prison. Um, largely, I think people understand that he was in prison in Rome. And um, there were a couple of other areas people were saying he might have been um, imprisoned at that time. But he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi, which he had, again, helped to create, as so many of the churches were, uh, sort of um, something that he had gone on a mission to do and and helped to set up. And, um, And he wrote this letter. Um, what many believe is to be actually a few different letters that have been reconstructed into one sort of cohesive letter, because a lot of people have noted that it kind of jumps around a little bit in the topics of, um, of what he's talking about and the message that he's getting across. So, with that in mind, three feels very cohesive to me. This doesn't feel like anything's jumping around here, but I think there are right. other parts in, in Philippians where you could make that argument that maybe this is kind of construction, constructed from a few different um, pieces. Um, the section, uh, chapter three, the section in ESV uh, is labeled Righteousness Through Faith in Christ. And it begins, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit of a weird turn of phrase. Um, He says a few times in his letters, rejoice in the Lord, um, rejoice and be glad. He repeats these phrases a few times and he's saying to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you is basically saying, "I, I know I'm repeating myself, but trust me, this isn't gonna hurt you to hear me say rejoice in the Lord, right? This is just good advice. He goes real hard. Real hard in the paint here, starting at verse (laughs) 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And we'll pause. Um, How did this first little section strike you?
2: I it's a it's a it's a weird one, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, it's but isn't this isn't this one of the one? I mean, is this one of the verses that people reference to when it comes to uh, reference when it comes to. tattoos and stuff like that i feel like it is or mutilators you know yeah. like an argument against it um in christianity like someone pulls that out like um yeah like God says specifically you know that's which, um willfully which I don't, taking this out of context <laughs> right I, I i think there's another verse too i don't remember which one but i feel like this is one of them that comes up but yeah it feels like it, it doesn't really make sense um i'm reading some footnotes right now because my my study bible has uh it kind of goes verse by verse um my my footnotes here say for for the part where he says we are the circumcision which that i definitely needed some someone to expound on um it says the true people of god do not possess merely a symbol of the need for a clean heart they actually have been cleansed of sin by God. Um, And then it says, worship God in the spirit. The first characteristics Paul uses to define a true believer. The Greek word for worship means to render respectful spiritual service, while spirit should have a small S to indicate the inner person. That's interesting. Not the Holy
1: Spirit, but the spirit within. Yeah. 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 Um, That's interesting. And and that this circumcision, anytime circumcision comes up in the Bible, I get really confused because it okay. seems like <laughs> so I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah. No. Uh, I do too. Absolutely. It seems to me like they're saying while circumcision is fine and it was a practice that has been carried down through, through generations and generations. And essentially it's like a sign of the old guard, um, that, being in Christ is the true circumcision. Being um, a follower of Jesus has cleansed your body and your soul more than any um, mutilation of your penis could could possibly bring you. Right. Um, so he's not well, saying that inherently it's bad, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he's not saying that it's inherently bad, but he is saying I think that like the people that still rely on. Um, that still focus all of their energy on making sure that these check boxes are checked mm-hmm. are missing the point of what this new path what this new way and the new ministry of Jesus is teaching
2: amen um yeah that's that's extremely important to me as as someone who believes that uh, i I don't believe in you know i that the part of the reason I said that um or wanted to emphasize that Jesus is not a religion he is a faith is is that uh, faith has nothing to do with check boxes or rituals or making sure you get in your quotas. Uh, and I think that again with non-believers, they may misconstrue that or may think like, Oh, if you're religious then you have to do this or you have to do like 10 jumping jacks every day (laughs) to get into heaven, whatever. Um, and, uh, some, some people may believe stuff like that, but I, I just do not. You know, it's a it's a big, big part of why I um, part of what I think, you know, um, one of the main differences with Catholics and Christians. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I I, I do know that or with me, I believe in saved by grace through faith, um, not works having nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like your works, what you do on earth. It's important that you know the fruits of the spirit etc but but that you don't have to do anything specifically as a human like you don't have to do you don't have to be necessarily a good person and is that what you are you in this on the same page with that or is that different for it it, do you think you have to i don't know volunteer at a homeless shelter and that gets you points or something Uh, like that or what do you think
1: No, I mean, and and this is where I think that, um, well, first of all, that the argument that Paul is making here is saying just that. I I don't think that that it is a tally. I don't think that there's a scoreboard. I don't think that what we do inherently will save us on earth. I do think that what we do matters and how we act matters and how we treat each other really matters. Um, I think that faith... And um, expression of that faith and observation of that faith is the most important thing. But I think that like um, Paul makes a very very compelling argument here to say, uh, "Screw whatever it is you think mm-hmm. that you do that's so important on this on this earth, because um, it's all going to be dust again." You know, exactly. <laughs> it's not going to actually. This is the next section in the next verse. He says. Um, if anyone has a reason uh, to have confidence in the flesh, I have that reason. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain or whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Um, so I have this. Impressive lineage. I've got this uh, position of power in the church. I was well respected. I was an academic. I was um, this brilliant Jewish mind that that saw this threat, the specter of Jesus coming down, uh, and and going, this is wrong, and we're going to persecute this church, and we're going to stop them. And so, you can see now why everything that we hang our hat on as to what's really important in this world is actually nothing compared to the real way of the light of jesus
2: i disagree no i'm just kidding um uh, <laughs> i uh yeah no um yeah man big big shouts to paul uh smart guy uh, yeah he, he ain't bad <laughs>
1: Um, there was a different, I was chuckling about this and I sent you a message about it earlier um, and I'm going to be jumping a lot between translations uh, today because I read so many of them in preparation for this. If There's been a lot of Paul, I think the last four weeks of the show have been Paul's epistles and, um, and this one uh, in particular kind of um, befuddled me a little bit because I really was trying to get the full message of what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Um, In the message translation, there is this hilarious turn of phrase when they're discussing what I've done. And it says um, this is in their little sections. They don't they don't line out the verses as clearly in the message because they kind of paraphrase everything. But it says the very credentials these people are waving around is something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my Master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung.
2: That is so weird. Uh, (laughs) Which which translation is that?
1: That's the message. Oh. That and the the voice are the two kind of paraphrased ones that I tend to use um, most often.
2: Right. Um, Dog dung. Yeah. So or rubbish is what. What verse did we stop off at? It's Uh, number nine. I think I
1: stopped. I stopped reading ESV at at uh, at eight. But that kind yeah. of goes from from six into nine. There, what I just read from the message. So yeah, Andy. yeah.
2: My mine says my footnotes say when it's when you know it notes rubbish, it says the Greek word refer, refers to garbage or waste and can't even be translated to dung or manure. Um, can't really can't really <laughs> expound much on that. I mean, I think that one's pretty straightforward. But uh, but yeah. So that is obviously
1: saying. Um, you know, put your, put your diploma away for a second. Right. Um, set that aside. Uh, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Right. A lot of run-on Beautiful. sentences in this in this chapter.
2: There is actually, yeah, <laughs> I think put put your putting your diploma away is like the best way to put it, and um, something I wish a lot of people would do uh, in modern times. Um, I um I don't want to appear anti-intellectual, right? Because I think that
1: biblical scholars um, unveil interesting things about Scripture, and I think we learn all kinds of new things when when we delve into the um, historic. Um, texts and, and records, and, and try to kind of piece it all together. I mean, that the, the original creation of the King James Bible was this immense undertaking by, right. you know, tons and tons of people who were of sort of ordered to let's come up with the most cohesive religious text that we can, mm-hmm.
2: um, which is very cool. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll become, I'll be anti-intellectual for you. Um, <laughs> no i mean only in the only in the case that uh uh, i i think you know that kind of stuff can be it it doesn't even necessarily have to do with um organized religion or, or or jesus or whatever but you know intellectualism can can serve as a blinder in a lot of these in a lot of ways um but also being super into philosophy, same, same kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> because, But, but only, uh, only in terms of like uh, when I think of intellectualism, I think of this, this kind of antiquated idea of like someone chewing on the, uh, the arm of their, their eyeglasses and, you know, wearing a tuxedo and being like, Hmm, interesting. Like somebody who's just like, you know, I just got a grant for this and that, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 and then the second you say something about you know uh a story of the bible that seems beyond belief then they they, they're like oh well (laughs) you know like this is this is why that couldn't have possibly happened etc it's like they completely like overlook what faith even means um and so in that way i i would you know say intellectualism can be served as like something that's a blinder but otherwise i'm i'm all for it yeah i'm all for it. i'm all for any kind of research and stuff yeah. like that
1: well it's it's almost like um so much of the academic world now was kind of turned to turned to an atheistic kind of um mindset uh and religious scholarship is is pretty different um right it, uh, but it can give itself over to, well. Uh, the more we nitpick. Sure. There, there are, um, instances in the different gospels in the new Testament that kind of directly contradict each other. So how far are we right. really going to dig into this to, to go? Okay. So we're just going to discredit the Bible now or,
2: or what? Right. That's why it's tricky. Well, no. Yeah. And of course I'm all for religious scholarship and, and, um, deep like the theologians and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of the modern voices. And, uh, I think you and I are both into what's his name, uh, guy in New York who wrote the reason for God. Oh, Tim, Ke- Tim Keller. Oh yeah. Tim Keller. Yeah. Tim Keller. But I do think, you know, that can be dangerous too, because someone could, um, maybe, maybe misinterpret it or, or interpret it for their own gain Uh, and sometimes, I mean, I can't really think of any examples, but of course, like there's, there's going to be sometimes where people are like, well, actually, you know, back in this time, this really meant this. So God didn't really mean that, but I, I I don't know. I think that's like a slippery slope. Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: And and it kind of, again, distracts us from what the point of this all is.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: Jesus never said, um, you know, there's no there's no teaching in the um, in the Sermon on the Mount that says you better read a lot of books,
2: right, right, uh, right. But <laughs> and also, well, in terms of and when it comes to the back with the scholarship stuff, like or scholarly stuff, I, I just feel like the dangerous part is it's trying to make Jesus relevant because he's always relevant, um, and the the gospel is always relevant, the Bible is always relevant. Um, but if you if you go too deep in like This like theoretical like, uh, what would Jesus think about the situation in Syria? Like, well, I don't. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like, you can't really say. Um, I don't know, right? Or, or, or like bringing up modern topics and stuff like that. You can't. That's where. That's where I'm just like, like, or, or I, I love when people say things like, well, Jesus would have like. People are always like, "Well, Jesus would have done this to if he was around today," and I'm just like, "Yeah, I guess I don't, know. you know." And I, what's the point of even speculating? I what mean, is the point? The, uh,
1: the 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 there's frequently a lesson that we learn in the Bible that says um, God created this world and and um, He created it for us to be in it, but this isn't your this isn't where it ends. Dude. Right. So, uh, you know, you might want to focus yourself a little bit more on something that um, something that might feel a little more eternal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> please, please. I'm going to jump into verse 10 in the NRSV because I like the way they worded this sentence a little bit better than the ESV. Go for it. In Verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I thought that was so beautiful. It is. He's saying he essentially wants to die like Jesus died, which is like um, not, I don't think like I want to literally be crucified, but that I want to, um, to give my whole life to bringing people to God, to, um, um, obviously, Paul's death is not going to atone for anyone's sins in the way that Jesus' death did, but his life and his mission in life, uh, if he can forsake the things of uh, his earthly kind of um, uh, status and give himself over completely, then he will be on the same path that Jesus was on there's only going to be one son of God. So it's, it's kind of pointless to say that I want to be Jesus.
2: You right, can just right, say right. I want to be
1: like Jesus.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, and you know, it, it is noble to, to want, um, something edifying like that to come out of your death to, for whether it be the gospel, just reaching one person. Um, and I mean, I feel like Paul kind of did Paul kind of got his, his prayer, his wish.
1: Yeah, he did. He did incredible things. I, I really. Um, the more I read of his teachings and and what he accomplished in his life, the more I'm just astounded. Yeah, um,
2: what an incredible person. Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, good, um, good dude. Good dude. And J- who was it that died? Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of Peter. Peter was the one who was supposedly crucified upside down, right? Yes. Yeah, that was oh, Peter. Yeah. He was the. Um, Which is very extreme, but yeah, well, well, you know, uh, with martyrdom in general, I feel like, uh, I have a lot of respect for that (laughs) and a lot of stories of martyrdom I find really touching. Um, but anyone who's willing to lay their life down for it, you know, of course it makes people like you or me wonder if we'd actually be willing to do it.
1: And it can be um, it can be kind of misinterpreted too. I feel like a lot of people, um, a lot of people have in their minds, yeah. I think it would be great to to be a martyr, to die for your faith, to die in the name of Jesus, in a way that glorifies him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, it, it's oftentimes I think people actually it's funny that we're talking about this because um, today is the um, Let's see, 28th anniversary of the beginning of the Waco standoff in Texas, where this um, religious sect known as the Branch Davidians uh, hold themselves up in a compound, and um, the the leader of that uh, that sect, David Koresh, really genuinely believed that he was like a prophet or or a martyr. You know, he was going to be a martyr for this. Right. And what wound up happening was tons of people died. Uh, it was, it was a horrifying thing. And, and I, whether or not you, you know, what stances you take on how the, how the the government handled that and how the Branch Davidians handled that. I mean, obviously um, it, it didn't go down uh, the way I don't think anyone uh, wanted it to, but it really does to me highlight this idea that like, don't try to make yourself a martyr just because you feel like that's what you're destined for but if that is your calling then accept that with with open arms and say absolutely because there's yeah. no higher there's no higher um calling there's no way to be closer to Jesus than to than to die like he did.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um there's so many stories of of uh famous martyrs uh or missionaries or whatever who who had an opportunity to fight back in a way and, and, and chose not to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I, it's just incredible strength of will. I I mean, it it is truly the Holy spirit there. And and that's why I, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, would I be willing to do that? You know? And I'm, I'm far from the type of person who's like, we're headed this way in America, you know, (laughs) I'm not really, I'm not there yet. No, no. <laughs> because, but you know, because we truly do have you know freedom of religion, and it's just such a, such a mainstay here. And and you know, I, I, I do think that, I, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't really see it being that bad right now or anytime soon. But you know, it does happen in the world. Um, you know, the owning a Bible being a very 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 bad thing, and here it's just like. It's normal. But yeah. um at worst in, in the US it's cringe. That's, yeah, that <laughs> at, at worst. Yeah. 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 Um you you the you know the bible uh is is loading to, to some they could say it's like it's loading the clip for the mass shooter or you know or whatever oh god um i remember i remember someone saying that once and i was just like shut up but <laughs> like we're we <laughs> try oh to be gracious wow. in our
1: hearts but you hear stuff like that sometimes it's just, yeah
2: shut like, up. <laughs> like it just makes no sense and and but um but yeah i uh I, 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 one of my favorite, uh, stories was, uh, I remember my dad, I think my dad was like leading a a Bible study or something like that. Um, and he was talking about Jan, Jan Hus, Jan, Jan Hus is his name, J-A-N-H-U-S. Mm. He was like, uh, in, whoa, he was in the 1300s. I, I was looking him up. He was an old, like, he was a famous martyr who, um, I think the reason he was martyred was he was executed because uh, they were calling him a heretic because I, I, they asked him to denounce something and he refused. But they they burned him at the stake. Right. And um, he, he supposedly it's one of those things where everybody has a different story. But, you know, supposedly he died singing he was wow. he supposedly was that was burned at the stake and was singing. There's a different story about him. Um, uh, the fire, they were having a hard time intensifying the fire and an old woman through some kindling thinking she was helping. Um, and he supposedly explained, Oh, sanctus Simplicitas," which means holy simplicity, which is, you know, a, a term that means like, uh, someone thinking they're doing the right thing, but they're truly not. Hmm. Uh, And uh, my, I remember my dad telling the story and there's also the other thing of him. I don't know if it was him saying or someone else, but since his name Hus means like goose, there's some saying about like, Oh, you're cooking a goose, but from this will be birthed a swan. And he was right because he had, he grew tons of like followers. I think they were called like Christians or something like that. Um, People who followed his word, but I I have to look up, you'll have to look up on your own time what he was doing. I think he was questioning. It was another one of those things where he was just questioning like the, uh, the status quo of like, maybe like the Catholic church back in the 1300s being like, you have to do this. Damn. And him being like, no, you don't necessarily. That there's tons of stories like that. I feel like that's like one of those things that still uh stokes the fire of of the stokes the divide between <laughs> between Presbyterians and 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 uh and Catholics to this day. Not not really. But um <laughs> but you well, know, really. like I feel like there's all those stories, like even with Martin Luther too, like putting up the night the, the the theses and stuff like that. Um but I love I love stuff. I love stories like that because I love the idea of uh, radicalism within the church or or questioning something um, that isn't explicitly in the Bible. You know what I mean? Like being like, hey, this isn't biblical uh, is something that I would hope I would have the guts to do if it ever came up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And going back to what we were talking about earlier and, and and going through the motions in faith and and getting too comfortable, getting too settled in. I mean, there's nothing that um, that spurs you uh, more than someone challenging you and saying, well, Absolutely. you know, and it doesn't mean that like you need to be listening to every single criticism somebody has of your faith. I think that, you know, we're called as Christians to kind of um, rebuke each other when we see sin going on unchecked and unconfessed. But Uh, you know, we need to stay fresh. We need to stay um, alert. We need to to be aware because evil is everywhere. And um, we need to be vigilant about that. We need to make sure that whatever it is that we're doing, we're not just doing it because it felt like well, this is what we've always done. And this is, I guess, an entirely different conversation, one that we could stray into and probably spend another whole episode. Oh, on. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, it's 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 a tough one. And, you know, I, I went to a, um, a college, uh, you know, I was saying I went to a Christian college and, and they were big on the notion of confront co- confrontation, you know, confronting someone in their sin. And I would hear all these stories, like, you know, like the aid, uh, the resident advisors or the whatever, whoever's in charge of your wing, whatever would be the ones to do it. And it was really, really encouraged. And I never did it to anyone, you know, cause I didn't care. I was just kind of in my own world, but, but I always expected to be confronted. Like I always, I, but I never did anything like, that's the thing. But I was very much like a worldly person and kind of like, was probably the only person who was like going out and I, w- I wasn't like going to bars and stuff like that but I was like going to like a lot of like uh live shows whatever mm-hmm. and coming back at like 2 a.m and I feel like some people thought I was like partying I don't know but like I always expected to be like I, I was waiting for it because I kept hearing stories like hey I've noticed you've been doing this has been happening in your life and it never did it was just like it really felt like you're waiting for a hitman or something like that like it was just like this like huh um and i thought it was weird at the time like i thought the whole notion was weird but now i i get it and i appreciate it and i'm like the thing it i guess it depends like if you're really if it's a stretch if you're if someone's being confronted for something that's maybe inaccurate or, or minuscule i don't I don't know if I get that, but like, yeah, we, we should keep each other accountable. Um, a hundred percent, you know, and, uh, right now, nobody, I don't know. I don't know who in my life is really keeping me accountable other than my family.
1: Yeah. It's really important. I think to have a community of people around you who, um, you don't always have to have the same. I'm friends with all kinds of different Christians. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't really have to have the same, um, Sectarian kind of views or practices or anything like that. I mean, sin is sin. It's pretty pretty obvious. It's not really all that complicated. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) So if you can have somebody around in your life that you can check in with, and and uh, you know, obviously the the um, the tradition of and the sacrament of confession in the Catholic Church is done through clergy, but there are large numbers of of um, non denominational Protestant groups that practice confession in a sort of a peer uh, mediation kind of uh, environment, which I find fascinating too. I mean, um, it's, uh, it's really, um, it's really interesting. And it interesting. is how much, I know about uh, that.
2: how
1: much of, how much of our um, notion of like martyrs and, um, and people who Uh, are, are sanctified in some way or another, not necessarily made to be saints. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But that so much of that is like internal turmoil. It's not even like, uh, you know, it's a lot of it, especially early on was coming from people outside of the church, but so much violence has come upon us from within us.
2: Uh, Yeah. It's really kind of messed up. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool that you know all types of Christians. That's a cool brag. (laughs) (laughs) That's really so great. Wow. You're Uh, so diverse. You know, yeah, you have some diverse, uh, diverse group. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have a a progressive group of Christian friends. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, it's mostly online. Let's be real here. Who's got real friends in my life anymore? Anyway. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um, Maybe there should be, like, a little subsect of, of like, alt-Christianity where instead of pronouns in your bio, it's the, the denomination.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Prot-prots. Yeah, um, <laughs> prot. <laughs> so jumping back in at verse 13, I'm going to go over to the voice this time because I like this particular verse the way they wrote it. And it says, brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but there's one thing I am doing. I'm leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for this mission. Um, and then back to ESV, because there gets to be a bit about winning a prize and stuff. And I think that gets um, the, the way that they worded in the, the voice is kind of awkward. So in the ESV at 14, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So the prize, um, anytime you use language like winning a prize, it's, it's kind of dangerous because it's like, again it's not about um, works necessarily mm-hmm. it's about faith um, but there is the the, the, the prize the um, the jackpot of Christianity is eternal life in heaven right right um, it's it's goofy to think about it that way but
2: um, Christ likeness yeah in heaven is what it says here on my little thing um, Christ likeness is definitely the goal yeah and and Paul
1: is saying that um, if we should always be striving towards Christ's likeness um, or um, focusing our our um, life on that, and it is the mature and, and um, thoughtful way to practice faith to think that way. And if you don't think that way yet, God's going to show it to you.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, at 17, Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. So he's Sounds not like- saying necessarily that like, just focus on me. Look at how good I am. Um, but he's saying that, the example that he is trying to set is one that everyone should be also trying to set. Um, that is Christ-likeness.
2: Yeah. Um, I can't help but feel convicted when it says um enemies of the cross of Christ who's end his destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind in earthly things. Uh, we're all guilty of that. I mean, that's That's just the human condition, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, this
1: is the, this is the culture that we're in, right? We have, yeah, yeah, we have taught ourselves uh, to, um, and this is a very Lenten appropriate message, but we've taught ourselves to never deprive ourselves of anything that we, um, that we should be experiencing the pleasures of life and we should be indulging in things. And um, it's not that good things that, that we shouldn't be feeling good things necessarily, but that when it becomes your God to fill your stomach with with delightful uh, foods and and mm. to um to glory in um, sexual perversion or um, uh, essentially shameful things, that is where you've
2: lost the plot right um and i I think that plays into my mindset's always been um the the thing to be wary of is is excess in general so like i feel like the things that i i don't know what your hobbies are but you know mine the things i'm into of this world are you know um very much so like i'm very into fashion and i'm very into uh movies yeah i guess i'm like a movie nerd whatever um and these things can be very consuming because you, you spend so much time like watching the movies or, or, or consuming content from social media, whatever, uh, the internet. And I think those things are good. Uh, art in general um, is what kind of keeps me going. And I think that they're put on earth for a reason for us to enjoy the same as anything. Um, but I think it's the excess that you need to be aware of, like when it's consuming your life in a negative way, um, too, too much of a good thing is, is very much so exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel it's like anything, like if those, those things were are put on her for a reason we were born in this time for a reason, this is what our interests are. They keep you sane or they may be even therapeutic. Um, they are gifts. You know what I mean? Books are gifts, you know, like a good book, whatever. Uh, but, but of course, I don't know, like, uh, maybe books are a bad example, but yeah, like, or, you know, you, you can spiral, I guess you can, you can lose focus with being obsessed with things of this world. Um, and I think again, we're all guilty of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and this is something that, um, In uh, the book, it's sort of like a workbook called Kingdom Values that John Tyson and Susie Silk wrote in a section that they have on community. They talk a lot about this society that we've constructed as a um, preference-based, personally autonomous, um, morally kind of um, relative society. Um, In the section under his invitation, it says, each of us must decide for ourselves Whether we will receive God's invitation, he is offering us a relationship with himself through Jesus in which we will be forgiven for our sins, receive a new heart and spirit that longs to obey him and know him intimately. We are then welcomed into his kingdom, his people, and his family. But this is a choice which requires leaving behind our personal autonomy and preference-based living so we can enter into an everlasting, committed relationship with God and his people. Um, Mm. So, uh, again... um, just because
2: it feels good doesn't mean you should do it uh wow you sound like my mom um (laughs) but yeah i mean it's it's true yeah yeah absolutely you know and that and that follows the two ways talking earlier about pleasures of the flesh etc flesh 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 um yeah that's a tricky one i mean Mm. we're all we're all guilty of that yeah (laughs) Access, but uh, I was going to ask to, I was going to ask, wait. So when you were reading from the voice translation, the voice is like what? Like modern, like PC. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, like the voice is stuff? one
1: of like a few, like the voice and the message do similar things. Although the voice matches the uh format the original kind of format of the verses in the bible a little bit closer but it does insert some sort of clarifying language um because
2: yeah, like, mine says brethren and yours says brothers and sisters brothers and,
1: and like, sisters uh, and our brothers and sisters too actually they they do a lot more gender neutralizing in the
2: yeah whenever when i hear that i was just like uh Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> even, even in the ESV at the, at the beginning of chapter three, it says finally my brothers. And there's a little, uh, a little, um, number annotation there that says, or brothers and sisters. Oh, um, <laughs> but God, the, God help us. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, that, um, it's easy to get tripped up on language like that because it doesn't really roll. Up. The, the the King James in particular translations are so focused on like poetics and and so like particularly written that throwing gender neutralized language in there yeah totally screws up the the um the the flow of everything but, yeah um the NRSV is already so broken up with footnotes and stuff like that it's um it's a lot easier to say. Okay, right. Well, we're going to stick this in here and, and make everybody feel like God loves them and not just. And me.
2: How, how long has that
1: version been around?
2: It's been around a minute.
1: The voice has been around. The, I think the New Testament came out first in 2012, and then the Old Testament came out in 2014.
2: Uh, okay. Um, so in the 2010s. Yeah. Post, post 2010. That makes perfect sense. I, uh, because, you know, the, a phrase like gender neutralizing was something that I don't think anybody ever uttered until. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> the
1: uh, the message actually, which um, I talked a little bit about on the last um, the last episode too. Shameless uh, the, plug. The message, yeah. <laughs> Subscribe and review. Um, the The message, which was originally kind of written in the early 90s, was f- officially kind of completed and published in 2002. But, okay. Um, that one. Has had some really sort of heavy hitter Bible scholars and 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 people like Pete Ends who does an incredible uh, show called The Bible for Normal People, and um, he was actually like a consultant on that Bible as well. And so it's not that it's inaccurate, but they get mm. it's it is so funny to read sometimes when you go against the King James translations or the ESV, and then you read something like the Voice or the Message and you go, "What? <laughs> what right." Hell?
2: Right. Yeah. Um I'm waiting for a translation that's like the Bible for witches. Oh. Lord help us. It, it, somebody <laughs> to do something. I, I I joke, but like you know, that could that could be a thing. For, it's coming. The Bible for Wiccans. Uh, Bible, <laughs> you know, including Wiccan language. You know, well, um, it, you know, if we
1: can do a Bible that has like a skateboarding Jesus on the front, then there's no reason why we can't also. Which you know, I, I think you just, know,
2: we all grew up with stuff like that too. Uh, um, and and I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, they're harmless, but you know, like you have these devotionals. It's like a devotional for kids, and the. Design is so like colorful and like teenage looking, whatever. And uh I get the appeal, but they're also just like so aesthetically ugly and like at some point it's just like drop that, dude. Just carry a black Bible, like it's fine. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like and I remember I, I had a friend who uh had some sort of silver Bible, like when I was like in middle school that was like it looked like an aluminum type of cover, and the the cross on it had that like scratchy, it was like scratched in. Like it it looked very extreme and I was just like, that's so lame. Like, it's just like, it's just so like, it's pointless, but whatever. Mountain Dew code red presents the Bible. Yeah. It felt very much like that. (laughs) Um, I need to track one down. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, let's, let's, um, let's finish it up. Um, verse, Verse 20. It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself.
2: Amen. Amen. Um, That's exciting. It is.
1: Um, I like that the NRSV uses the phrase, he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory rather than our humble body into the body of his glory. Right. Um, because there is so much discussion of humility and um, being humble that we often forget that the same root word humiliation is, is part of um, being humbled in this world is to be humiliated because we do not fit in. We do not, um, we don't, check these boxes of society sometimes we don't we don't always meet the expectations of a fallen society rightly we shouldn't because if we did then we wouldn't
2: be following the teaching of christ yeah i i hope not you know what i mean i it's one of those things that i try and be conscious of and, and i think i've seen you mention it before but um yeah we shouldn't fit in we should be our in a lot of ways. Um, That's how all this started. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the footnotes to see if there's anything interesting in here. Transform our lowly body. The Greek word for transform gives us the word schematic, which is an internal design of something. We knew that. Uh, those who are already dead in Christ, but alive with him in spirit. In heaven, will receive new bodies at the resurrection and rapture of the church. When those alive on, church, on earth will have their bodies transformed. It's interesting to think of um,
1: our bodies being transformed as part of redemption, right? Because I never think when I think of my eternal life. When I think of um, what happens, either when my body dies or when Jesus comes back, um, and and we're you know the end comes I never really think about what happens to my body I don't really care right. what happens to my body I care about my soul I care about where yeah, that absolutely.
2: and uh and who knows what I mean body may mean may the definition of body may even be a closer definition to what we think of as a soul I don't know yeah there's so much
1: metaphorical language too you could use the body as a church too you could be discussing yeah. church
2: yeah and uh I mean, when when it comes to afterlife, there's so much, I think that I think all the mystery about it is good. I think it's it's something that it's pointless to overanalyze and to try and figure out um what exactly heaven entails, I guess. Uh unless it's directly from the Bible, you know. But uh I I I will say one thing that stuck with me. Uh, I forget who said it. Maybe it was maybe it was John Piper or someone who. Who's sending a message that um the idea that uh that you you're going to be like reunited with your wife in heaven whatever uh isn't necessarily there isn't anything any kind of evidence of that in the bible or or that you necessarily like i I don't know like it it almost seems like there there's going to be so much like joy and and stuff like that in within heaven but it's it's not going to necessarily be about like you finding joy and being reunited with with someone you were married to on earth or someone who is your child on earth um i feel like it'll go beyond that i don't know uh because we have that we have this idea of uh, you know the traditional idea of angel wings and you're just like hey everybody i'm up here now yay but uh, obviously it's just going to be something that's indescribable yeah, uh, And it may not even be a physical body. It may just be your, what, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Maybe instead of us thinking uh, of heaven as a great reuniting um, from, from, you know, from all the people that we've known and is, is uh, we rather experience a relief from the grief and the memory of sadness. And yeah. our eternal life is simply praising God in heaven and, and rejoicing in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, for all we know, your memory on earth could be wiped. I don't, I, I mean, you're definitely will be too distracted by, by the pleasures of heaven to to really be looking back on the past or or your life on earth. I don't know. You know, it, it is, it is something where uh I, I will always find it endlessly fascinating but trying to like wrap my mind around it, it seems pointless.
1: No, <laughs> oh, and I think you're you right. Know. I think it's a good like all, thing like right. all of
2: God's mysteries, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: <laughs> I think it's a good thing that most descriptions of whatever happens in the afterlife be it a description of hell or sheol or uh heaven um uh it's inscrutable. It's, in, it, it's so difficult to understand. And it should be because it is something so far removed from our existence here that even if someone were to really try and explain it in a, in a comprehensive and, and in, um, a clear way, it just wouldn't even, wouldn't even
2: resound in our minds. Right. Um, and I think that, that there's so many, so much about how God works or how the Lord works in mysterious ways that we can't even fathom. So why even try and understand? Like, especially when it comes to the argument of, of why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Um, if it's part of God's plan, you, you just can't, you'll we can't understand that because we our definition of what's good and what's bad is very different from his. You know what I mean? Um so what does it amount to in in the grand scheme of things and in in the grand plan? I don't, I don't know. You know, we we could be offended by it because it happened here. We could be mad. We could be bummed that somebody lost their house, even though that they were a a girl scout, whatever. But um, if it's all part of this pattern that we can't really comprehend, I I don't know who might really question it. I mean, all you can do is pray. And and I think, you know, I, I, I do want to, um, point out to for any of our listeners uh that if you come across a book in the christian section that is supposedly by someone who had visions of heaven or hell or who maybe had a dream or maybe it was a three-year-old who was on a hospital bed and he saw heaven and he's selling a, a million copies of the book you should definitely run you should yeah. not these are completely heretical and these are completely false and they're satanic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they, these people are ripping people off, getting tons of money, getting TV, TV, movie deals, what, whatever. Um, no, these aren't real. Nobody's, nobody's gone to heaven and come back. Nobody's gone to hell and come back. I, I do believe in, in somebody having you know maybe a a vision of an angel or something like that and like a near death experience whatever but um these these books of like a, a little baby who had a vision of heaven and told everything or his mom and dad and they somehow made a 200 page book out of it these are like so false and so evil and so just wrong uh I don't, I mean, I'm glad you agree. I, I don't, I just think, I, I just want to steer people away from those, like, you no, know, at any chance I could get, even if it's, you know, just on a podcast platform.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and trust me, when we have another honest to goodness prophet, when we have another Paul, we'll know. Uh, exactly it's not going to be colton burpo or whatever the heck his name is
2: (laughs) Uh, dude colton burpo just stopped like is what is up with is he still around i don't know i I have no idea i kid i yeah no dude (laughs) (laughs) and they they made a movie with greg kinnear about it right
1: uh that sounds yeah that
2: sounds that sounds right (laughs) yeah just these these are false teachers false prophets whatever you want to call it these are worse than Joel Osteen's of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same, same stuff though. Same, same, just polish and veneer. It's just garbage.
1: I, um, I think I found a, a poem for the, um, for the closing of the episode that, that just perfectly ties up what we were just talking about, about heaven. But before we wrap up, uh, is there anything that you want to plug, uh, for everybody who's listening to, to go check
0: out? <laughs>
2: Um, I don't know. Just the usual, just, uh, that's my name's Michael. Uh, uh it's, I'm on Instagram. as MikeyMDC. MDC. Uh, it's my, I, I have a Patreon that's Patreon slash Mikey slash Mikey MDC, which is more just, it's something I'm, I'm kind of experimenting with it. It's, it's kind of an expansion of my Instagram, which is just, um, uh, my, style inspiration and mood board type stuff that i pull from uh the crime film aesthetic that i like kind of devour on a daily basis it's like kind of like my life you know uh so it's it's images and stuff like that on the page i don't know some people might like it some might i don't know whatever but um i'll put a link to it in the show yeah yeah that's 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 my plug and then um that's it really. I mean, and if you need a stylist in LA, hit me up. Uh, I do, I've been styling some photo shoots lately. So work is work is coming in and God is good. And, um, I, uh, I guess that's it. And, and, you know, I guess I should say Jesus is Lord. Amen. <laughs> and, 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 uh, my favorite, my favorite verse um, that I think sums up everything that I, I would, if I could say it on any public appearance, I will. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's Romans 5, 20, where sin abounded grace did much more abound. Hmm. And I, I think that's, if, if anybody's struggling with that, if you're, you know, whatever, if, just, I feel like that's the most comforting thing where, where, where sin abounds. Grace does that much more abound. God's grace is, is beyond measure. Yeah.
1: God is good. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you um yeah. doing this little Bible study with me. This was really fun. Uh, yeah, like we, yeah. we, we really picked this one apart.
2: I loved it. Yeah, no, I loved it too. It was great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you invited me on and like, I, and I think uh, this is a great, show. So it's a, it's a, it's a very creative, unique experience. So um, yeah. And I'm in good company with all the other guests.
1: Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, So the poem today is um, uh, this past week on February 22nd, um, a man named Lawrence Ferlinghetti died. Uh, He was 101 years old. He was um, known as a prominent poet and um, actually founded the City Lights booksellers and publishers in San Francisco. Um, And he released a book in 1958 called The Coney Island of the Mind. And this poem is number 13. Not like Dante discovering a commedia upon the slopes of heaven, I would paint a different kind of paradiso in which the people would be naked as they always are in scenes like that because it is supposed to be a painting of their souls, but there would be no anxious angels telling them how heaven is the perfect picture of a monarchy, and there would be no fires burning in the hellish holes below, in which I might have stepped, nor any altars in the sky except fountains of imagination. Thanks, everybody.
0: He gives us all his love He gives us all his love He's smiling down on us From up above And he's giving us all his love He knows how hard we try. He hears the babies cry He sees the old folks dying gives us all his love Now if you need someone to talk to You can always talk to him And if you need someone to lean on You can lean on him He gives us all His love He gives us all His love He's smiling down on us From up above He's giving us all His love He's smiling down on us From up above He's giving us all His love